Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us this morning is the founder, and CEO of the Dallas Black Academy of Arts and Letters, Mr. Curtis King. How you doing, Curtis? I'm doing good, good, good. I'm trying to have a better living. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we have you on the show, because you are making an impact, and you're making uh, sure a lot of people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the North Texas area, are having a better living themselves. Can you tell everybody about the history of the Dallas Black Academy of Arts and Letters. Again, you guys are located right there downtown by the Dallas Convention Center. And I think, is this season number 44? Now, we're in season number 44. We get ready to get geared up for season number 45. And so I want to just, it's the, the Black Academy of Arts and Letters. Yes. You know, but we're based in downtown Dallas, Texas, in the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. And so we are excited to end, literally get ready to end 44 years and get ready to go into our 44th, 45th year. And I'm still young, still look good, still excited, <laughs> still healthy, still vibrant. You know, I've known you how long? A long time. Yeah, we go way back. Way, way, way back. back. And so I mean, it's, it's a great thing, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be in a city uh, like Dallas, and I've seen the city go through a lot of uh, changes, a lot of great changes, mm -hmm. and I just feel that, you know, when I came here in the 70s, later 70s, early 80s, Dallas was uh, on a, another a major rise, <clears throat> and then you had, of course, the, the uh, oil industry took a dive, a nosedive, and then Dallas managed to, you know, weather the storm with all of that, and then you had another big surge again, and then took another dive, and then another surge. And so I feel like since I've been here, I have been a part of three major surges of the city to uh, see it grow, to it blossom, and things like that. And that's why we call it the third cultural coast, New York, L.A., and Dallas. So it's been really good, and I'm glad to have been a part of a person who's in the vanguard for setting the pace, tempo, and a part of a vision 
for what's happening in the artistic community in the city. Uh, you know, the academy, like I said, again, is going into its 45th season, and I started the project on my dining room table with wow. $250. Because I'm from Mississippi. Margaret Walker was my mentor and professor, and if people don't know who she uh, is, who she, uh, she was the famous literary writer, Jubilee, and For My People were two of her most famous books. And so I went to a conference in Chicago in 1972 and met the likes of Ossie Davis, Ruby Dee, Belafonte, Diane Carroll, all these great, great, great artists. And so while all the other kids running around getting autographs, I was running around getting uh, addresses and phone numbers, mm -hmm. you know. And I stayed in communication with the people. I wrote them letters when I got back to Jackson State and told them who I was, and I was a student of Margaret Walker, and I got their address, you know. And so when I stayed in communication with them, well, uh, when I got to grad school here in Texas, <clears throat> I'd always wanted to be a member uh, and a fellow, they called, of the Black Academy. And then I found out from Oscar Davis and Ruby D that the Black Academy was no longer in existence. Now, this is like four, like three, four years later. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of crushed. And so a guy named Joe Nash gave me, uh, sent me, or actually delivered three boxes of archival materials about the development and the creation of the Black, of the Black Academy in New York City that was created in 1969. So when I got all those, uh, those boxes, I looked in it and I saw the original minutes from the formation of the Black Academy. And I hate to say the story, but it's the truth. He salvaged all of that from a New York dumpster and gave it to me. Wow. So, uh, and there was a letter in there from Langston Hughes, things like that. So I have all that stuff. And I had all those things in my possession. And so I kind of traveled up and down the East Coast because I stayed in New York for a year. And I was uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina for, not Charlotte, but I'm sorry, uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina for a year. And that's where Sierra Lincoln was there at Duke University, and he was the president, the founding president of the Black Academy. So he and I met with John Oliver Killings, and they said, well, you know, you're really interested in this thing. Let us know what we can do to support it. So fast forward, <clears throat> when I got to Texas, I started the project, and then when it kept building and growing, uh, before most of these people uh, passed away, they said, listen, this guy is doing what the academy set out to do. So why don't we just take, you know, support him? Because, again, at that time it was Junior Black Academy. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just support him in what he's doing and have him take Junior off of it and become the Black Academy? And that's what they did. It was a phone conversation uh, and that they had, and they all agreed that I should become, we should become the Black Academy of Arts and Letters and just drop the name Junior. That so, is fantastic. I mean, you know what's so amazing about this story, and I want you to continue because everybody mm -hmm. needs to find out how it all started and how it all began and what it all means. I mean, you're providing education about the black cultural arts, mm -hmm. and it's right here in Dallas. But more importantly, you're bringing plays, you're bringing literary, literary works, Mm -hmm. authors, you're bringing all kinds of shows that come through, and you have the facility to do this. This is not some, I mean, you've, you've got plays that have been on Broadway that are being performed right here in your facility at the Black Academy of Arts and Letters in downtown Dallas. 
That's right. Well, you know what's Chris, what's fascinating? <clears throat> the time that we're living in now. Uh, that's why I say you see another kind of a interesting surge in Dallas, but also in the state of Texas and in, in the country too. And I always say that if you want diversity, <clears throat> the best way you get diversity is that you allow different groups to be who they are and not be afraid to allow them to be who they are. Because this when you have this melting pot in America, you know, in terms of the democracy, in terms of culture, uh, in terms of languages and things like that. And so the country is, a, is an, America is an amazing country, you know. Yes. Even with all of its flaws, it still is an amazing country. And so when I look at the contributions that we have made as a people, and I'm talking about the African-American culture as a people, you have the blues, the jazz, the gospel, the dance, all the things that we have been able to create and to do, it's, it's fascinating. So you can't, in my opinion, you can't separate who we are and what we do as a people from any other group that's, uh, that's in, in, in America. And so that's the fascination part about being here for me. And so I'm glad to be a part of that. And I always tell people one thing, you know, when you talk about Asian culture or Latino or Latinx culture or Jewish culture or, or European culture and things like that, you know, everybody's always fascinated. Sometimes when we start talking about black culture, sometimes people have a tendency to freeze up, you know. Mm-hmm. Why are you freezing up? Why are you uh, tense about it? You know, there's nothing to be tense about because whatever the culture is, that we have created is a part of an American experience, you know? Yes. And you know what you find out? You find out when you, when you learn about all the different cultures, not only do you learn more things mm-hmm. and you feel, wow, I, you feel empowered. Like, wow, I know even more. It's like exploring the world. That's but guess what else you find out? You That's find right. out that you have more in common with people who are different than you than That's you right. ever thought. You're like, wow, I That's like BB right. King too. Or, wow. That's I've right. always loved, you know, name a, 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 an artist that was significant. And that's what sometimes the arts or even sports can bring mm-hmm. people together who never felt like they had anything in common. That's absolutely correct. That's why I love, uh, I love basketball. And last night I was, you know, so excited to see two great teams. Oh, the you Milwaukee know. Bucks? Yeah, I was glad. I really kind of wanted uh, Phoenix to win because of Chris Paul. I know he worked very hard to, you know, to, to get that ring. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted him to win, but at the same time, I was also glad to see the Milwaukee Bucks win, too. You know, it, it, it says something when people work together as a team. Yes. You know, it makes a big difference in how people win the game or win the game of life. You know, and that's what, again, what I found as fascinating about the arts. You know, I was in a meeting yesterday. Uh, they were working on this big project called uh, a big project to bring people back into downtown Dallas and to sit in the meeting and hear all of the brilliant ideas and the enthusiasm and things like that is fascinating. And it's good for me to be a part of that kind of discourse to say, okay, this is what we need to do. And I said in the meeting, you know, there are two things <clears throat> that we have to make sure that we're doing if you want to bring people back downtown. We have to be diverse, diverse in our offering, mm-hmm. in how we market to people, and then how we attract and how we program. Those are things I think that's going to make the difference in what we're doing. You know, which brings me to the point, you know, like we're working on 
the Riverfront Jazz Festival. Yes, uh, an amazing success story. Can you tell people a little bit about some of the artists who have performed there and what you're doing with that? Because I think it's an amazing showcase. Yeah. Well, the first of all, you know, I have to always talk about my girl, you know. Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Yes. International Erica Badu. She Grammy Award winning Erica Badu. That's right. The queen. Uh, that's right. She is She is the real deal. I love Erica. And when I look at her and I look at uh, Mark Cuban, both of uh, these individuals, it's just a good feeling to see them on uh, TV and everywhere they go. They are two people, a lot of people here, but Erica and, and Mark Cuban are two individuals to me. They always push and always talk about Dallas. And I think that makes a big difference from the marketing side of it when people start looking at places to go and what they want to do. When you have two iconic individuals mm-hmm. like that that's pushing Dallas. Erica on the entertainment side, the music, then Mark Cuban on the sports side. And the business um, side. That man and, is and a I, I'm shark. A, I, yeah, shark I want to have a meeting with Erica Badu and Mark Cuban real soon so I can be in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk but, about the uh, festival some more. Name some of the names yeah. of the people, because so I think Erica, people will be surprised at the talent that you guys bring in. Yeah. Well, you got Erica Badu, David Sanborn, Jeffrey Osborne, Terrence Blanchard, and we're doing uh, Terrence Blanchard with the Dallas Symphony, uh, Rick Bronze, Pete Escovado, Peebo Bryson, Keiko Masui, Will Downing, Raheem Devon, Marion Meadows, Millie Jackson, Sean Martin, David Benoit, Karen Briggs, Chili Minucci. Uh, wow. Eric Marenthal, Rodney Kendrick, Jamal Jones, SOS Band. I mean, is that enough or is that enough? <laughs> that is a festival. <laughs> it's a serious festival. And then the other thing we're doing, too, um, we work with some people in the city uh, who kind of put us in touch with people from the AT&T Discovery uh, District. And so what we're doing is doing a kickoff on Thursday, September the 2nd. For a big, like a second line, uh, and then there's a two-hour nonstop concert with jazz, mm-hmm. pop, hip-hop music. It'll be right there at the Discover District on the plaza. And so we're really excited about that. This is the first time we've had this kind of a big kickoff the day before the festival opens. And then the following day, uh, we have Erica Badu that's going to kick, kick the, the official part of the festival off. It is outstanding. It is a must. Circle your calendar. You don't want to miss that. Again, we're talking with Curtis King, the founder and CEO of the Black Academy of Arts and Letters, located right here in Dallas. And can you talk about some of the other things that the Academy has done? Before you talk about the other things, let me just go back to the facility itself. How were you able to acquire the space that you have? Because it is immense. It's a theater. It's right there downtown. Mm -hmm. It's connected to the convention center. And it's all yours, and you've had it for years. How did yeah. that transaction happen? And it's almost like a blessing. Well, you know, we were looking for a venue 30-some years ago, and at that point the city was going through a major political uh, metamorphosis. And so you had people like the late Al Lipscomb and, of course, Miss Ragsdale, Diane Ragsdale, and uh, Stark Taylor and Ned Strauss. They were all on the council at that time. And so we had already, you know, been really visible in the city. And so we needed the space. And so we worked with the city council at that time. At that point, we got a 10-year agreement with them to be in the space. 
And then we, uh, when the agreement was almost up, we got another t- 20 years. And then about four years ago, uh, Councilman Carraway and the late Carolyn Davis all worked with the city um, at that time to get another extension. So we ended up getting another 30-year contract. I mean, another 30-year agreement with the city to be in the still continue to be in the location. So we're like three years into the 30-year agreement, and it's given us the opportunity to be able to really grow the institution and be able to go get some major dollars. Like we just got a $150,000 grant from the Mellon Foundation to be a part of a national, uh, what they call the National Theater, the National Black Theater Thrust. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's to uh, put money to build uh, a black theater as a part of a theater mainstream. And so we were glad to work with the Billy Holiday Theater in New York to get the $150,000 to your grant from the Mellon Foundation. Can you and talk then, about the facility itself? Because people don't know how magnificent yeah. it is. T- tell about the size well, and what you have inside there because it is very impressive. Well, we got uh, uh, 1700 uh uh, theater, what you call the Brute Main Stage, is beautiful theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, 1700. And then we have our small, intimate Plants Muse Cafe Theater. We have our gallery that's named after a uh, wonderful artist here, James Kemp, where it houses uh, four Emmy Awards. And we have uh, special memorabilia from like Della Reese, Louis Gossett Jr., et cetera, et cetera. Then we got other rehearsal, performance space. So the venue is like 250,000 square feet. And we absolutely love it uh, because we're able to do a lot of major programs. Like two weeks ago, we did Beyonce the Musical, yes. a project that we worked with the Dallas Public School, uh, Dallas Independent School District. And we had over 5,000 people that came to see 300-some young people perform in the show. They were also on cameras. They were doing costumes doing, on sewing machines. They were doing makeup. They had photography. It was, um, it's amazing. I'll tell you, this is, in my opinion, one of the best youth uh, institute, arts institute programs in the city, mm-hmm. state, and I would even say in the country. I agree. You know? I agree. Arts so education is so important, and you guys do such a great job. And Erica came out of the theater, too. She came out of the theater. Nice. And let me just uh, uh, do a little bit more bragging rights. The young girl uh, right here in this theater, you know, a uh, young girl named Sky Turner, uh, she was doing the 80s and 90s musical. It was two years ago. And so she was in an audition here, and they, uh, one of the teachers taped the audition as a part of a study uh, program. Well, it was on Facebook, and it went viral. And Pat LaBelle called here, and then she talked to Sky because Sky... Turner did the piece, If Only You Knew, because that was one of the songs in the 80s and 90s musical that the kids wanted to do, that 80s and 90s musical. That's Patty's song. Yeah, Patty's song. And so as a result of that, she went viral, and the next thing we knew with her, her father, you know, was had really worked with her and put it out there. Now she's playing the young Tina Turner that's going back to open back up on Broadway in the fall, and she's also playing the young... Aretha Franklin in the movie with Jennifer Hudson. Wow. So we feel proud. Even though she's a member of, you know, big churches here, she came, was working in the public schools. But the reality is when she went viral, she was at the Black Academy of Arts and Letters auditioning for the 80s and 90s musical. 
So that's more bragging rights. But so you got Erica, the late Royal Hargrove came out of the theater. Uh, I have a lot of my mentees. Man, they're doing incredible stuff. They're in showbiz. You know, they do yeah. film. They're doing television. Uh, and they give the, back and come back to Dallas to see you all the time. All the time. They call me Pop. They call me Uncle Curtis. They call me Mr. King. And, you know, this funny, this is a funny thing. They always want to take me out to drink. I, I'm not, <laughs> I, first of all, I don't really drink. And on top of that, I'm not going to be drinking with my nieces and nephews and my <laughs> mentees. Every, come on. Oh, come on. We know we, we adults now. We got kids. I said, oh, okay. So I went out with some of my mentees this past week and had a margarita at my favorite uh, restaurant. Oh, Haters is one of my favorite uh-huh. restaurants. So I have a small That's so margarita. funny. They grow, they've grown up, but in your mind, they're still like teens. <laughs> they're still like teens. And they tell me all the time, no, no, no. I'm we a grown man. I'm a grown woman. Well, that's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, but I'm telling you, it is so fascinating to sit and to watch them because when we did the production, <clears throat> they were teaching. Uh, they were doing internships. Then they were, a lot of them were here volunteering and things like that. And this is what really tells me, you know, hey, Curtis, you've been out here for a minute. Because some of these are kids, I'm teaching their kids' kids. Oh, wow. You know. They become grandparents. The grandparents, I'm telling you, it's so fast. Time flies, man. Yeah. And so one of my godsons, his daughter, name is Layla. And this is, she's only eight years old. And he said, Pops, he said, I'm going to put her in this program. We don't even take him at eight. But this girl is so incredible. She's bright. And the teacher, Miss Spain, was saying, uh, well, she can handle dancing with these big, these uh, teenage mm-hmm. dancers. I said, can she really? But if I tell you that little girl can dance, it's in her blood wow. to do this. And so we're getting ready to put her into another special program. You know, the other thing I want to throw out, too, we're working with, and this is really important, we're working with Broadway Dreams. It's a company that's based out of New York City. They're here this week. Directors, producers, and casting directors are looking at 45 of our kids, most of them are in the public schools, but came out of our summer enrichment program. They're looking at them to give them additional training, uh, casting agents looking at them for possible Broadway productions mm-hmm. or productions in other regional theaters around the country, particularly musical theater. And to sit yesterday and to watch these 45 kids in this program, and I'm telling them they are amazing. So I want to give Annette uh, Tanner a shout-out. She's a very dear friend, but her program that she has called Broadway Dreams is absolutely amazing. And so we're glad to develop that partnership with her uh you know, because they go to Philadelphia, New York, sure. Chicago, all these other places around the country, major cities. So we were able to really work with her and her team to get them to come here to do uh, Broadway Dreams. This is the second time they've done it. So we're really excited about that. You mentioned all the different programs for the kids this past <clears throat> summer, and you can tell us again what you've got going on through the summer. But I know last year when the pandemic was just, I mean, it was just mm-hmm. kicking in, COVID-19, mm-hmm. and everybody was was shut down. Can you talk about how you guys made the adjustment, how uh, the Black Academy of Arts and Letters in Dallas made an adjustment? Well, you know, it's fascinating because, quite frankly, uh, the COVID-19, just from a financial perspective, was, has been really good for us 
because we've had an opportunity to really see uh, how patrons have really supported our work. You know, even though people didn't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but we did $10 uh, memberships and donations uh, with virtual programming. And so one of the things that we did is University of North Texas, all of our archive is on the University of North Texas campus. And we went to the our archives and talked to the the director for the collection and asked if she could pull some of the things that we'd done from our King concert, which is where we got the image from. Mm-hmm. And so we put together a 12-part series called Shelter in Place that aired every Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And it was all based up on stuff that we had pulled from the King concert as a part of a partnership with CBS 11. Was this virtual? It was all virtual. Wow. On CBS 11, TXA 21. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, we raised over over $30,000 in contribution donations. And the good thing about that, it came from people around the world. We bought uh, Facebook ads, and we pushed those Facebook ads, and we were very strategic, like in London and Paris, anywhere that we felt that people were really interested in seeing black entertainment. We bought Facebook ads and, and marketed those people. We were getting donations and contributions from everywhere. That's how one of the reasons how we were able to really stay current and things like that by doing the virtual programs uh, uh, with our institution. And so it was rough. Now, I'm going to tell you, it was rough, and we lost a lot of money. But I would have to be, I'd be very fair is that a lot of the people that we owe money to, uh, they were very uh, understanding. You know, they were very understanding, like smart cities, you know, was very mm-hmm. understanding. Uh, I mean, just overall, American Express, you know, we all people with American Express, but a lot of people, they were so understanding. And so some of them uh, worked with us to help us to stretch out the payments, and then some of them just said, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to make this uh, a part of our donation contribution since you're not-for-profit and that you're an arts organization. The banks were very uh, good to us. Uh, our CPA worked with us on making sure that we had all of our paperwork and everything together. So in a lot of ways, it was disheartening, but in so many other ways, it was absolutely a total blessing. Yes, you, know? you were able to turn a, a, a negative into a positive and yes. find some different ways. You, 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 didn't, you didn't know what you were made of until you went through that hardship, right? A- absolutely. And the good thing is that I didn't really realize how supportive people were of the institution mm-hmm. until that happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people write now as many as $500 checks. Some people wrote $1,000 checks and things like that, you know. Amazing. I mean, because we've done the work, you know. Mm-hmm. One of my students said to me the other day, said, Mr. King, uh, what do I need to do for you to remember my name? I said, just do the work. And so I'm saying is that we've done the, we've done the work. Yes. And the people stepped up to the plate and said, we like you, liked what you've done, we like what the institution's done, we like the people that you have served and things like that. And so what they did is that they were the ones that kept us afloat. And, you know, and then we did get some of the PPP money from the federal government, so that helped a lot, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, just all in all, you know, I didn't wallow in, in the pool of pity. Right. You know. Right. So it's just, you know. Either you didn't you, dwell on the despair of it all. No, not at all. You know, actually, like I said again, <clears throat> excuse me, 
it was actually exhilarating, you know. It gave me an opportunity to really rethink the position of where the institution is, how we should reprogram things, how do we keep our institution vibrant and current. It sounded like you were busier than ever. I'm telling you, we were so busy. It was amazing. I learned a lot more about how to do uh, digital stuff, mm-hmm. uh, how to be able to maneuver technology around, you know, because <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I'm in the middle of an ocean, you know, with a life jacket, and but yet can't swim. Hmm. So I couldn't panic. I just needed to figure out a way how to be able to make this work. I love the way you think. You did yeah. not panic. You said, let's make this thing work. We're talking yeah. with Curtis King, the founder and CEO of the Black Academy of Arts and Letters here in Dallas. We were talking about some of the stuff you had going on this summer. Can you continue and let everybody know what you have coming up and how they might be a part of this thing in some kind of way? Well, our new season opens, and we want people to, I'm not going to do a whole lot of stuff, but we have, I'll tease a couple of things, like we're doing this uh, piece called Gut Bucket Gospel. It's a review. It's in October and then Gregory Porter is going to be at the theater. He's a wonderful jazz artist. Mm-hmm. He's going to be at the theater in September because we're working with a guy out of uh, out of Houston to do some uh, programming here. And, of course, our King concert, we are going to be doing that in January. And I think another exciting thing that we're doing as a collaborative partnership, as a collaborative partnership is with the Dallas Symphony. Uh, Kim Notomy, she's the president of the symphony, so we're doing a partnership that I presented to them called Jazz at Symphony Center. Nice. We did it last year, all as a part of the COVID stuff. And that's been amazing. So we got some artists lined up to do that uh, project at the Symphony Hall uh, as a partnership with the Dallas Symphony. So we got, we got some really good stuff. We want people to go to our website uh, in sub- mid-September and look at all the programs they will have for the 45th season, or go to the uh, Riverfront Jazz Festival. It's T-Ball, T-B-A-A-L, riverfrontjazzfestival.org, and look at the lineup and see all the things that we have uh, going for the festival. Uh, Could you also also repeat the uh, website for the uh, Black Academy of Arts and Letters? The website for the Black Academy is tball.org. There's T as in Tom, B as in boy, A-A, that's double A, L as in Larry, T-B-A-A-L dot org. That's our regular website. If they go to the website now, you'll see the things that we are currently doing, and you'll see some of the history of the institution, things like that. Uh, and then the Jazz Festival website is T-Ball, Riverfront Jazz Festival dot org. So, yeah. I mean, we, like I said, we're excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are really excited. It as sounds you like tell. you got a, a really great bunch of things going on, and I think there's a lot of people who might be listening right now, might want to be a part of it. Uh, is there a phone number? And, I mean, can you also, if you want to shout out some of your, your partners who have helped, you know, keep the uh, Black Academy of Arts and Letters going all of these years? Yes. Uh, our phone number is 214-743-2440. That's our regular number, 214 And if they want to buy tickets for programs or jazz festivals, Mm -hmm. they can go to Ticketmaster or either they can call our ticket, uh, our box office, which is 214-743-2400, 214-743-2400. And I do want to give a shout out to Visit Dallas. They have been 
a crown jewel for uh, as a partner with the Jazz Festival, CBS 11, TXA 21, mm-hmm. the uh, Office of Cultural Affairs, which is now they call uh, Dallas's uh, Office of Arts and Culture. They have been big-time partners with our institution. Uh, of course, the Convention Center, Rosa uh, Fleming, she's director there. They are really great partners uh, and have a great relationship. There's a company out of Houston called JB the Great. Uh, the gentleman, he's young, uh, entrepreneur. He gave us a $7,500 uh, contribution about a month ago. He said, I just want to encourage the work that you're doing. You yeah. know. Then we have Tito Liquor, uh, Buzz Balls uh, Liquor. So, I mean, these are some of the people that have been longtime partners, like Evans and Graven. I keep, can't forget about them. Oh, and don't forget about the DISD because, again, all these kids in the arts education, I know that's yes. a huge partnership. Well, that partnership with DISD has been about a 25-year partnership. Look out. And we are really excited about them, and we're looking at developing some even stronger programs. I'm not going to talk about what they are because they're still kind of in the talking stage. Right. But we have uh, had a really great relationship with the superintendent and all the board members. We've had board members to come to the programs that we've done here, particularly in our summer program. So uh, we do want to give a shout-out to the school board, the Dallas Independent School District School Board, uh, the administrators, the teachers, the parents mm-hmm. of their kids, and then more important, the students themselves. So if it wasn't for the students, none of us would be able to do what it is that we're doing in those education programs. Exactly. So we're excited about that. Exactly. Curtis, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. We must do this again. I was going to say, living. when are we going to do it again? We will do it again, probably uh, maybe by the end of the year, around the Christmas time. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, Curtis, you take care of yourself. That's Curtis King, the founder and CEO of the Black Academy of Arts and Letters here in Dallas. And joining us right now is Miss Madeline Yeman Arnold. She's the Senior Marketing Coordinator, actually a Senior Marketing Communication Specialist of the SPCA of Texas right here in Dallas. How you doing, Madeline? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, yes, we love having you on the show because people love to talk about pets and different things they can do to maybe even help out with the SPCA. Can you talk about some of the programs you have going on, especially I'm going to tell you what I'm really curious about. You guys do so much, but what about the foster parent or the foster program, the adopter foster program? Okay. So a foster, foster hero. Program. That's what it is. The foster hero. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Our foster heroes uh, and they are heroes. So our foster program is a really comprehensive program where we ask people from the community to basically come in and they're going to take a dog or a cat home and let them come stay in their homes Mm -hmm. for a little bit, kind of be a part of the family. And it's a temporary on a temporary basis. So it's something that's great for people who maybe aren't ready to adopt a pet who, you know, need maybe a little bit more flexibility. We have so many different ways that you can foster. We have, our adoption ambassadors, which mm-hmm. those are fosters who take available for adoption pets, take them home and actually help those pets find homes. So that's kind of networking with people you know, taking them out and about, um, going and doing different fun things, posting on social media. It's a really cool experience because you get to be a part of helping that pet find their new family and you even get to kind of help make that match. So once you get to learn more about this pet once they're in your home, you can really help us 
find that pet an even better match because we learn so much more about them. So that's one way that you can foster. We have our healing and comfort fostering, which is for pets that are maybe recovering from a medical issue. Um, They could be recovering from surgery. They could be overcoming some kind of illness. And that's when you take them into your home. You give them a nice place to relax, get, get recovered, get healthy healing. And it's just a really great way to see a pet maybe go from um, coming in with medical issues mm-hmm. and you get to be that part of their transformation into this happy, healthy pet that's ready to find a new home. Uh, we also have our trust building and socialization fostering, which that is where you get to take a pet home that needs a little TLC. Yeah. Um, they may be shy, fearful. Um, they may not know um, really what it's like to be a pet in a home. A lot of our animals come from our Animal Cruelty Investigations Unit, which I can talk about later. But um, they they come in from situations where they haven't lived a, the life of a typical pet. So mm-hmm. when you take this kind of foster pet home, you're getting to show them just how great it is to be in a family home, um, teaching them everything from you know, being able to go outside in the backyard, walking yeah. on a leash, just even learning just to like and enjoy petting and enjoy receiving treats from people. So that's also a really rewarding experience to see a pet go from being scared of people to getting them to cuddle up next to you on the couch is always just a really uh, rewarding experience. And the last thing that we do for fostering is called FOSPIS. And this is a really unique program that we Uh, we offer through fostering. And that's where we have uh, senior pets, maybe geriatric in age, Mm -hmm. that we're wanting to have them be in a home for the rest of their lives. Um, And as a foster's foster, you basically take in this pet, and it's kind of like an adoption in the sense that you're going to care for this pet for the remainder of their lives. They're going to become a part of your family. Mm -hmm. But we provide all of their medical care, all of their supplies, everything you need. So all wow. you have to do, yeah, is just focus on loving them and really giving them that great life experience that they deserve in their in their golden years. And uh, not only with FOSPIS, but all of our foster opportunities, we provide everything. So you don't have to pay for food. You don't have to pay for supplies. You don't have to pay for medical care. We provide all of that, so all you have to do is come in, meet meet the pet, see if it's one that you'd like to foster, and take them home. It's that easy. It is that easy to be a foster hero with the SPCA of Dallas, or actually the SPCA of Texas here in Dallas. We're talking with Madeline Arnold. And, and Madeline, I used to take my kids up to the SPCA, right there off of 30, and they would love to visit with the pets. They would visit with the dogs. They would visit with the cats. Can you talk about how rewarding that is for kids and families, but also for the animals themselves? Yes, fostering is a great experience for families. Uh, myself, personally, I have a 13-year-old. We have fostered pets, uh, numerous different different pets from uh, fearful dogs to dogs that had high energy uh, to a dog that had some skin issues, and we had to give her baths every night. And it's been such a rewarding experience for our whole family with the the dog. Her name was Benny Mm -hmm. that had skin issues. My daughter actually helped me every single night. We gave her a medicated bath. We gave her medications. She snuggled with her. And it was really great for my daughter to experience that kind of extra extra care that, um, you know, we have our own dog. But 
Our own dog is healthy, happy. Um, this was a different way for her to get to interact with a pet and really get to see mm-hmm. um, that transformation of her getting to help me bathe this dog and seeing her hair start to grow back and seeing her personality start to transform. Um, and it's just a really fun experience. My husband gets involved. We all get attached to our foster pets, but then getting to see them go into their new homes and getting updates from their new owners is just really fun for the whole family. And it's a it's a great uh lesson i think for for kids to kind of learn that responsibility that companionship that they can get from a pet even if you don't have a pet already Mm -hmm. um, i think this is a great opportunity for those that maybe don't have the time to commit to a pet long term those families this is a great way for their kids to still have that experience just on a more temporary basis you know it's also interesting um as we you know go through this pandemic um I read lots of articles about how a lot of pets actually saved households, you know, because a lot of families may have been under stress because parents were working from home. Kids were going to school virtually from at home. And sometimes it was like, oh, man, everybody might have been mad at each other. But then all of a sudden the pets are around the house or you have a pet and the pet is so good and getting so much attention. Can you talk about some of those stories that you might have heard about how people have actually gone through this pandemic and the pets were actually the heroes? Absolutely. We've seen a lot of people, especially at the start of the pandemic, we saw a lot of people uh, open up their homes to foster or adopt a pet. I think uh, so many people we're now kind of dealing with what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You know, I have all this extra time, I'm home, and maybe they never really felt like they were in a good position to try some of these things, and now they could. And I, pets just, they they bring your family together. They bring people together. They have that unconditional love for you, for, for people. And I think that is exactly what people needed during the pandemic. I think people needed that, that unconditional love yeah. that a pet provides. And we saw so many people just thrilled that they were able to take foster pets home or adopt a new pet. And they were able to kind of go through quarantine with that pet instead of having to maybe be alone mm-hmm. or, yet, like you said, stuck with their family and kind of going crazy. So pets are definitely not only, you know, do you provide for them and care for them, but they give you some, that love in return that we just, as people, we, we so crave that love and affection and pets are just there to provide it for us. Yeah. It's, you mentioned it best. It's the unconditional love and it, they actually provide some balance in your life. You know, you, you're thinking sometimes and sometimes you overthink and then you go, you know what, what's important? And you look down and there's your little dog. There goes hero, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, and they, they provide routine too. Routine structure. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times a dog, you know, you have a routine. You get up in the morning, you feed them, you let them outside, you take them for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take them with you on, you know, adventures, going, you know, out and about. There are a lot of ways that a pet can just kind of bring it, like you said, bring a household together, provide that routine, that stability, that extra love, those laughs, those smiles. Pets are just really, um, especially here at the SBCA of Texas, we we think pets are a a part of your family. They're family members. And we love seeing our pets go and get to be family members in these new homes. Can you talk about how the SPCA has been able to find a lot of the pets and and the animals and and been able to take care of them and then put, you know, the pets in the situation where someone might be able to adopt them? How, how, 
how that program is operated? So our adoption program, um, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and talk a little bit about we're doing a special right now for okay. our adoption. So that's for uh, what we're calling Shelter Pet Summer, and that's throughout the summer. You can adopt any of our adult dogs or cats from either our shelters or our foster homes for only $25. Nice. Um, so that special, like I said, is for adult animals. That's going to be six months and older. And that's at our Jan Reese Jones Animal Care Center in Dallas and our Ellis County Animal Care Center in Waxahachie, as well as our foster homes. We have so many pets that are looking for loving homes. We have everything from small dogs, big dogs, high energy dogs. We have cats. Mm -hmm. We have, yeah, calm cats, cats that like to play. We have cats that are maybe just more, I'm going to snuggle up on the couch over here while you read a book. Same with dogs. We have dogs that are maybe more low energy, want to just relax on the couch. And then we have those dogs that are going to be a great running buddy for you. We have so many, and they all have each individual unique personalities, and we work so hard to match those dogs and cats with those perfect families. Um, And we actually ask that people, if they want to view our adoptable pets, they can go to spca.org slash pet. There we have all of our available pets online. You can view their photos. You can view videos. You can read bios about them, learn a little bit more about them. And it's just a really great way to kind of browse through and kind of get an idea of what kind of pet do I want? What kind of pet is going to work right for my family? We kind of we, we try to address all those things on our online bios so that you can really kind of get to know these pets before you even meet them and get an idea of, okay, which which pet am I really wanting to meet? Which one sounds like this is going to be a great fit for my family? You know, a lot of people love animals so much, and they actually have a little extra time on their hands. Can you talk about how people might be able to volunteer, and what would it take to be a volunteer with the SPCA? So the SPCA of Texas, we offer volunteering. Um, Fostering is actually considered kind of a form of volunteering, but in our shelters we offer volunteer shifts for everything from walking dogs, to helping clean, to helping socialize some of our animals. Like I mentioned earlier, we have those animals that come from our animal cruelty investigations unit that need that extra TLC. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of ways that you can get involved to come in, help these animals, work with them, interact with them. If you want to learn more or you would like to sign up to become a volunteer, you can go to spca.org volunteer. There we'll have all of our different opportunities listed online for you to kind of look over, figure out what's right for you, and from there you'll put in an application, and then we will get you started with training. You mentioned the investigative unit. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because you you kind of touched on it a little earlier, and you said you like to swing back around. Can you talk about that part? So our Animal Cruelty Investigations Unit responds to thousands of calls here in North Texas of reports of suspected animal cruelty. Um, And what our Animal Cruelty Investigations Unit does is they respond to these calls. They'll go out, they'll visit these locations of where the animal cruelty is uh, supposedly taking place. And if they believe that the animal is not being uh, cared for properly, neglected, or um, cruelly treated, they will work with law enforcement to remove the animals from that location and bring them to the SPCA of Texas. So we see everything from um, hoarding cases where maybe somebody has um, much too many animals. Right, like maybe cats. 
Yes, and they, they've become overwhelmed, and mm-hmm. so now the animals are just not receiving the proper care. We've seen animals that are uh, confined to small crates without um, food or water. We see animals that are left outdoors without food, water, or shelter. We see many, many, many different uh, sad situations of animals, and we bring them in. We get them vetted. We get them evaluated for medical and behavioral uh, conditions, Mm -hmm. and then we rehabilitate them and find them new homes. So that's a very, uh, it's a very big part of what we do is rescuing these animals that otherwise would uh, maybe not have this chance at a, at a second life, at a, at a new shot at yeah. life with a happy family. So that's a huge, huge part of what the SPCA of Texas does. You know, I'm kind of curious about the rehabilitation process because, again, I think it's such a great thing that you're doing. Maybe if people knew some of the details of what it was like, you know, they would even see some more of the compassion. Absolutely. It is uh, It is not an easy undertaking, rehabilitating, right. re- rehabilitating these pets. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of patience, a lot of time, and lots of love from our staff. Because some of them are scared, right? Some of the pets? Absolutely. Yes, some are very scared. Some have never been socialized with people. So some dogs or cats, they just don't even know um, how to interact with people. Um, they don't know that they don't need to be afraid of people. Right. Um, and so that's something that our, our staff have to spend a lot of time uh, and effort as well as fin- financially to rehabilitate these these animals. Some mm-hmm. of that may look like um, a staff member visiting a pet every day and giving them treats and slowly but surely getting a little bit closer to that animal. They may start out you know, 10 feet away and then move a little bit closer and a little bit closer um, over time until they're able to earn the trust of that pet and that pet comes to them. We try to really allow pets to come to us on our on our on on their terms versus us forcing them to um, engage when they're not comfortable. So it can be, it can take a lot of time because we are, we're letting these pets learn to trust us and come to us and you know, choose to seek that pet or that treat versus us trying to push that on them. So it it takes a lot of time. It can take some animals may um, come around pretty quickly and others, it takes weeks, months for them to really make that progress to where they're um, more comfortable around people. You know, it's an amazing thing that you do. The work is just outstanding. We're talking with Madeline Arnold with the SPCA of Texas here in Dallas and, and Madeline, um, talking some more about some of the pests that you have, you have, like I said, dogs, cats, do you have any other types of animals? Yes, we do. We actually have an equine livestock center. Uh oh. Yes. So Look we out. have, yes, we have horses. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we have, uh, many horses right now. We've had donkeys in the past. We've had little donkeys. Sheep. Yes, we've had donkeys, we've had sheep, we've had pigs, chickens, roosters, ducks. My goodness. Um, you you name it. We have turtles? had it at our... Turtles. I don't know if we've ever had turtles. <laughs> we, if, you know, if we have had turtles, we might have sent them to the reptile experts. We usually, right. we have taken in reptiles before, but a lot of times with those, we will send them to a rescue or a sanctuary that specializes with those reptiles so that we know that they are getting the top-notch care that they deserve. 
Um, but we do. We see a variety of animals. We also occasionally have small mammals, so like rabbits, mm-hmm. guinea pigs, hamsters. We will get those in occasionally as well. So we really, um, we really work to find homes for just about anything. Um, just about any animal that we come across, we are going to either put it into our adoption program or we are going to make sure that we transfer it to a rescue or a sanctuary where it gets the care that it needs. Okay, so I'm thinking outside the box, and I, I we mentioned some of the uh, animals that you might have that are traditional pets, and then I started thinking about wild animals. Do you ever have any coyotes or cattle? or I'm just really thinking outside the box here. Yeah, so we are not coyotes that I know of, <laughs> but uh, we have uh, done some animal cruelty investigations with cattle mm-hmm. um, where we have removed, at one point, we removed hundreds of cattle from a property um, that they were not being cared for, wow. not being fed, not being yeah. given water. Yes, it was very sad, and we actually worked with local law enforcement and an off-site holding facility to um, house all those cattle because we don't have the land right. um, to house that number of cattle. So whenever a situation like that does come up, our Animal Cruelty Investigations Unit works with other agencies, law enforcement, um, other uh, rescue groups, sanctuaries, other animal welfare organizations to place these animals. So um, it's certainly not something that we will turn away. If if we receive a report of animal cruelty and it's within our service area um, or if um, something else that we do with our animal cruelty investigations is if law enforcement in a specific area reaches out to us for assistance, um, we're going to do everything we can to step in and help. Okay, stepping in and help. See, my mind is whirling now. We're talking with Madeline Arnold with the SPCA of Texas here in Dallas. What about exotic animals that people thought they could make pets? Have you ever had to check out some calls on those? Like maybe, I don't know, monkeys, tigers, thinking about the Tiger King. Yes, so we actually did, um, this was before I worked for the SPCA of Texas, but we did uh, participate and, and assist with a large-scale exotic animal rescue. Um, this was everything from snakes to, like you said, monkeys. Mm. Um, there were Madagascar hissing cockroaches. Oh, um, wow. That's exciting. Yes, all types of exotic animals. And I, I'm, I would have to look and see exactly what year this was, but we removed all these animals from, it was somebody that was uh, illegally dealing these exotic animals. I can imagine, because anything is possible. Yes, and so what we had to do was we brought in these animals, gave them initial care, and then we had to do the extensive work to figure out where we could transfer these animals to those different specialized Mm -hmm. uh, sanctuaries, rescues, like I mentioned earlier. So all of these different exotic animals, we knew that they needed that specialty care. So we were transferring them out and making sure that they got to where they needed to be to get that care and didn't end up in the hands of somebody who isn't equipped to care for an exotic animal of that type. So it certainly it certainly does happen, and it is uh, a big undertaking. You know what's so amazing? You'd be surprised how many exotic animals are actually in the state of Texas. And I'm going to give you one example. You probably know about this, but i got to bring this up. I was headed up to Cowboys training camp back in the day when they headed in Wichita Falls, Texas, and I saw a bunch of camels. I could not believe it. I was like, what are these camels doing over? It's like you see cows on the side of the road, you know, like in a ranch area, you see cattle. I saw camels. 
And it that turns wild. That it turns out that back in the 1900s, you know, because oil was so big and uh, the three, the 1930s and whatnot, they had actually ranches with camels because they brought them over from the Middle East and they were raising them and they were racing them just like they were they were horses. And wow. they still had them up there in Wichita Falls area. I'm not making it up. So if you ever I hear did about, I not know that. Yeah. So if you ever hear about some camels up there near Wichita Falls, yes, they're legal and they're on a ranch. And that's just one of the ranches in Texas that that had camels. Isn't that crazy? Certainly, that is crazy. And I, I do know that you can have. Um, there are certain exotic animals that you can own legally with permit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. You know, if people are able to do that legally in the right way, they're able to provide that animal with the care, everything they need, you know, that is okay. It's when you illegally own an exotic animal is when it becomes concerning because you may not be able to provide that animal with the level of care that they need. Exactly. But on that note, I've seen, I believe I've seen a camel here in Texas. I've seen a kangaroo. I've seen um, (laughs) one time I, I met a baby kangaroo that uh, this couple, they raised kangaroos and had, they had just uh-huh. a large amount of land and they had all the permits and everything. Um, I think I've also, I believe I've seen a zebra before. On, yeah, I on have land. too. Now I got to say this. I saw the Fuel City zebra when Fuel City downtown had the zebra in the backyard. And now oh, they, really? yeah, they took to a ranch, but I used to take my kids over there from time to time because they could not believe there was longhorn steer and there was a zebra back and- there. It's kind of a weird juxtaposition to see uh, cows and then a zebra. Yeah, in downtown uh, Dallas. It's crazy. Yes, it's very crazy. But, uh, yes. What else have you seen? Uh, I think. Now, I bet you might have seen an alligator somewhere because those are out and about sometimes near the lake. I have seen I have seen alligators in East Texas. Mm-hmm. I have seen I have seen those. Um, I've seen, uh, we we have actually removed a peacock before um, during an animal cruelty investigation. Oh, my investigation. goodness, they had a peacock? Yes. They had a peacock uh, along with some roosters, some ducks. Um, so there's always, I mean, you just never know what you're going to find, especially um, when we do our animal cruelty investigations. You just really, you don't always know what you're walking into. Exactly. Well, again, Madeline, this is such a great conversation. we got to keep talking. Madeline Arnold, the Senior Marketing Communication Specialist with the SPCA of Texas here in Dallas. Madeline, there are some upcoming events going on, including you're bringing back the furball. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you gave me the chance to chat about furball. So our furball gala is going to be held Saturday, October 2nd at 6.30 p.m. at the Hyatt Regency, Dallas. And this year, we're going to have a hybrid virtual and in-person experience. Hey. So that's going to include dinner, dancing. We have a live and silent auction. And we are so excited to see some people in person this year. Um, we've got our auction is amazing. It has some really fabulous items. We have our Pony Up for Paws live auction and so much more. And I want to remind people that all money raised through Furball is going to go directly to help the SPCA of Texas rescue and heal those animals like I was talking about earlier. Um, we have table sponsorships for a table of six. That is $3,000. Individual in-person tickets are 300 And individual virtual tickets start at 25 So there's 
different price levels for anybody that wants to attend. And like I mentioned, all of that money is going to go help the SPCA of Texas and our work to rescue animals. So it's so important. I, what I love about it is you mentioned this virtual or in person. That's what a lot of people were able to take through this pandemic is reinvent some of the ways they're able to reach out and connect. And I, I guess you guys, the word they, the word they always use is the pivot. You've able to make the pivot, right? Yes, we have. We have. And, you know, as always, we're wanting to remain safe, keep our staff safe, keep our volunteers safe, keep the public safe. So we have really made sure that we've been following the CDC guidelines um, throughout the entire pandemic. And so last year we did furball uh, entirely virtual, Mm -hmm. um, but we're so excited this year that we've made some progress with COVID-19 to where we feel that we can safely have our in-person experience as well um, because it's just such a fun evening full of, like I said, that the food is always amazing. The dancing is always great listening to the live music mm-hmm. and the auction is always so much fun as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to see people again in person and also have the opportunity for people to join virtually that may not feel comfortable or may just not want to get dressed up. Madeline, is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us again. Madeline Yeaman <laughs> Arnold, Senior Marketing Communications Specialist with the SPCA of Texas here in Dallas. And thank you all for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.